All right. Hey, Joe, welcome to the show. How you doing, dude? Good to be on, man. Doing really, really well. I'm, I'm glad you could make it. Um, you know, like you just said, it's, it's Corona season. We got a, we got a lot of time on our hands. So, you know, at home at Advantage, we're going to try to crank out as much content as possible and, uh, you know, hopefully get some great interviews out. So, you know, how have you been? How is, how is this Corona stuff affecting you? Um, you know, it's been a good two week journey, man. I feel like just every day, you know, something new comes out. Um, you know, I was at the big 10 championships and then a few days later, you know, the NBA season gets canceled and then just that snowball effect of events, um, on, on event cancellations, event postponements. And, you know, it was seemed inevitable until finally, uh, the Olympic trials got postponed. So, I mean, trying to take it day by day up until that point, it was like, you know, make and do, trying to make wise decisions in the, like you said, Corona season. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's like nobody really knows what you're supposed to be doing or not doing besides definitely social distancing and self-quarantining. So, um, you know, I guess at this point, it's it's nice to finally have some type of, you know, so-called definitive postponement where, um, you know, you can just kind of be at peace with the whole mental side of things, at least, of the, all the uncertainty that's been going on, um, you know, with the Olympics being postponed. So now it's like, all right, you know, we got more time and take take that with what you can and let God control the rest right now. Um, you know, keep keep the things that you're believing in and enjoy this time with the people you can, the, the loved ones you can and stay safe. <laughs> right. You know, just like focusing on controlling the things you can control. Cause exactly. Truthfully, we can't control any of this Corona stuff. It's it's just the situation we're in right now. So let's make the best of it. Um, you know, did you did you think like when you first heard about coronavirus and you know it started gaining popularity, did you really think that it was gonna affect you specifically as an athlete? Did you think it was gonna you know cancel NCAA's, cancel uh, Olympic trials, postpone Olympics, and things like that? Um. Did you think it would affect you? Again, I'd say like initially, no. Um, you know, back in January when I guess was the first time we kind of heard about it. But as time progressed, I mean, just more caution was taken, more precaution, um, and and things just got worse, right? It's a virus, so over time, times the factor right there where it's gonna be able to spread. So you know, if you'd asked me two months ago, I'd be like, no, no way. But you know, let it just became predictable almost it's like right. hey not even predictable just inevitable and um you know there's nothing yeah i don't think i don't know who could have predicted this <laughs> i know right we were we were about to have an extremely exciting you know postseason ncaa it is all gonna come down and and then it's like nope never mind it's not gonna happen yeah who would have who thought it you know um what about what about your training situation is this affecting how, how you train at all or um I mean the past two weeks as things started getting quarantining places shut down um, I'm at the Pennsylvania Regional Training Center PRTC down in Philly um so both Penn and Drexel campuses were shut down so we weren't able to wrestle there so uh we had to kind of put together a little contingency plan we reached out to some clubs and some people in the area that we knew had potential mat space and um 
you know, being really selective with where we were going in. We went up to New York RTC for a day or two before, you know, it just seemed unsafe. So really the more quarantined we could be, the better. So for the first two weeks, still getting the work um, I needed in, uh, in terms of being on the mat, getting my lifts in. But again, just had to do a lot more logistically and more planning to really get it in. Um, you know, you really see how lucky we are as RTC athletes to be able to train at these places with everything we need. And then now it's like, yeah, I mean, we don't have the same access to a gym, a mat, um, and workout facilities. You know, you got to kind of expand and really see how that wrestling network um, helps you out. I mean, because that's kind of what it was. People just wanted to lend us a hand and be open for us, you know, as things got canceled and the hope was still there for the Olympic trials and the Olympics, you know, up until uh, that certain point. So um, just make and do. And, you know, at this point, with it being postponed right now, um, you know, there's really no rush to put myself at risk and getting get into a room. I mean, I'm still doing my own at home, just like everybody else is probably doing. You know, I'm still doing what I feel like is necessary. Um, but yeah, definitely taking this time. It's actually my sister's birthday today. So we're spending that. I live with her down in Philly here. So we're going to spend that in quarantine, unlike a normal one. And just, uh, <sighs> you know, take it day by day, man. Again, like we don't know what's, you know, what proposed dates, you know, if it's going to get worse, we, you know, we just don't know. So right. just got to focus on what we can keep, keep strong faith and believe that, you know, it is going to get better at some point. I do truly believe that. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, and you know, so it's interesting that we're, you know, as a, as a nation, we're really kind of experiencing this and all the athletes who are going to be trying to competing post, you know, for, for an Olympic title, we're now like affected by like, how do we find a place to train? How can we stay consistent and things like that? Um, and it's interesting because my perspective is that we we almost take it a little bit for granted how good our our training situation is. You know, the RTC programs and um, and how we have lots and lots of coaches and lots and lots of partners, um, and we can have a consistent you know training schedule. Whereas in a lot of foreign countries, they don't have this kind of stuff that we have. And you know, but they they do make do, right? <laughs> they they have you, there's great wrestlers from all over the globe who don't have the nicest facilities and don't have the best training partners and things like that. So, you know, it's it's just something to to think about and be like, well, you know, if they can do it, we can do it too. Um, you know, that's just what I've been kind of dwelling on. Um, but you know, you mentioned uh, the the Penn RTC, um, and you know, how how long have you been there now? So this was my first season there. Um, I, I came in in September is when I started there. And um, it's been fun. It's been fun to see the two college programs um, get better. You know, had had a bunch of qualifiers for each for nationals. Luckily, didn't or unfortunately, didn't see how that turned out. But, um, yeah, so I've been in Philly for about half a year now, about six months. And it's been great. Uh, my training situation is great. Uh, mentorship, leadership, career opportunities, um, you name it. I mean, I just feel like being in this area, I'm closer to home, um, putting myself in this, you know, Philadelphia wrestling ecosystem, there's so much going on. But then again, you know, at the same time, um, 
it is tough right now. Right now, we're just trying to, you know, live life, right. <laughs> live life quarantined and, you know, see how we can really still be effective as um, a program and organization. Um, you know, of course, probably a bunch of other RTCs are going into some recruiting phases. So it takes us, it a lot gives us time to really step back and be like, all right, you know, how are we going to move forward with this? Um, you know, we got, we got another year and, you know, it's, it's more time to push. Um, but PRTC, it, again, it's great. Coach Slay um, has been awesome. Lee Zach's one of my main training partners, Dan Valamont. And then, um, you know, just seeing a guy like Rich Perry weekly, man, and just how much, how far he's come. And, um, you know, just being a testament to the work that God can do in someone's life. And, you know, it's, it's inspiring to see a guy like that and train alongside a guy like that, um, you know, definitely fuels me each and every day. And again, even in like a time like this, like where things, things are just taken away from us. I mean, things were taken away from a guy like that, um, you know, without any forewarning and, um, you know, he's coming back stronger than ever. So, um, just gives hope, a lot of hope in times like this and no, no other family I'd like to put myself around right now than down in the Philly, Philly yeah, ecosystem. Yeah. You want to, you want to talk about your decision to, to move to the, the Penn RTC, you know, from where you were training at Ohio and, um, after college you moved on out. So uh, how did you come to that decision and how'd you come to decide to wrestle at the, the Pennsylvania RTC? Yeah. Um, I mean, so towards the end of my high school career, I mean, I had made a few age group world teams, and then so that's where I really um, s s had first desires to wrestle internationally. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I made those world teams, and like people say, when I was able to wear USA across my chest, um, it, it was a different type of pride and you know honor and respect to just be able to represent your country overseas. So. That's where I started really getting um, the aspirations to continue to wrestle post-college. So after last season, you know, I didn't achieve any of my um, collegiate goals, unfortunately. You know, like a lot of people had goals to become a national champ. But, you know, I knew that I wanted to compete. So it was a no-brainer for me. And, um, you know, I just kind of explored offers out of high school. I went out to Stanford, came back a little more east to Ohio State. And, um, you know, I, I always saw my life settled down on the East Coast just eventually in the future. Um, so I figured no better time to kind of start looking. And um, I just felt that the Pennsylvania Regional Training Center had a lot that a lot of value that um, I could gain from it and that it could that I could offer it. Um, like I had mentioned before, briefly, just. Different, different opportunities. I mean, Coach Slay has been a great mentor for me. Um, there's a lot of fellowship. You know, faith is a big thing in my life. Um, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer, and you know, just being under his leadership has been great. Um, it's closer to home. It's two hours from home. Um, you know, there, there's potential for. You know, I want to go to grad school in the future, mm -hmm. and I'm hoping that, you know, I could make it happen at a place like this. Um, you know, I don't know what my life's going to look like in five years, but, you know, I, I have a plan, very fluid. You know, God can put my heart wherever he wants. But, um, 
you know, just I thought holistically it was the best decision for me as a person and um, just with the goals that I've had. So I was. Was it tough for you to move on from Ohio State? It was. It was. um, You know, they had given me so much in in my two years there. Um, It was. It was such an honor to wrestle in front of Buckeye Nation and you know be be a big time college athlete. Um, but you know, in our lives, people people feel led to do different things and right. um, just where kind of my life was headed. I feel like you know I want to pursue these potential career professional um, you know schooling opportunities in the future that can uh, you know hopefully set me up <laughs> for later yeah. in life. So hey, let's um let's start at the beginning, all right? We'll just we'll just take it uh, you know, from from the beginning of your wrestling career. Where did you grow up and uh, and where did you first get introduced to to wrestling? So I'm New Jersey born and bred. I started wrestling at the age of seven. Um, my uncle drove me up to this club called Pascal Hills Wrestling Club. So I started wrestling there at the age of seven because my cousins had wrestled. Uh, they're nine and seven years older than me. So they had wrestled. So then I got into wrestling at seven years old. Um, you know, my first year wrestling didn't go too well. But then my second year wrestling made it to the state finals. I actually wrestled Anthony Ashnall in the finals of the states. But Ooh. at that time, he had been um, a kid wrestling state champ already. So I was like super excited. You know, second year wrestling, state finalists. Um, it was big deal. And then um, same thing, third year, third year wrestling made the state finals again, lost to Ashnall. Um, so just was able to wrestle um, with these guys at a high level. So from there, I started being exposed to national level tournaments. Um, I went to Tulsa Nationals, uh, all the World of Wrestling roller production tournaments, um, Dixie Nationals. Sheesh, you name it. I, can't, I feel like I can't even remember, you know, Virginia Duels, Wildwood Duels, you name it. I wrestled it all. Um, but, yeah, so just born and bred in North Jersey. And um, then it was all folk style up until I kind of became of age to be a schoolboy. I got called up by one of my coaches, and he had asked um, if I wanted to join the schoolboy team, if I'd ever wrestled freestyle before. Uh-huh. I was like, no, never have, but look. You know, it's wrestling's wrestling, right? So might as well just get on the mat. So I started going to a few freestyle wrestling, uh, freestyle Greco practices, went to schoolboy duels, went one and seven in Greco my first time, and then went seven and one in freestyle. And I was like, wow. hey, well, <laughs> this Greco bit, that's pretty tough, but I like <laughs> freestyle stuff. So um, fast forward the next year, my second year schoolboy ended up winning the triple crown in uh all three styles so i won style nationals freestyle and greco you know my first two years cadet um i was cadet greco champ both years um i didn't place my first year in freestyle and then my second year i took fifth in freestyle um and then you know it's funny i I was a three-time fargo champ all in greco I never, <laughs> never won freestyle, two-time runner-up. I lost to uh, Corey Clark and Pico. So some some top-level guys, too. Right. Um, but, 
you know, it's funny because now here I am obviously wrestling only freestyle. And, uh, you know, if you looked at my past results, besides, you know, world teams and things like that in the recent years, if you looked at back then, you could have argued I was better at Greco. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, you never know, though, because you could pull a Dan Dennis and come wrestle, do some Greco maybe after your freestyle season's over. You know, that was crazy. So Dan Dennis was our first ever interview on our podcast. You know, that was last year. So we've just hit our one year anniversary um, and we had interviewed Dan Dennis and he came uh, on our show um, to drop the news that he was going to wrestle Greco at the U.S. Open. And we were like, what? <laughs> we had no one. No, I nobody expected it. And I think he went like, oh, and two or one and two yeah. or something like that. But, you know. It's, it's just something to think about. And like you said, wrestling's wrestling for the most part. It's And and I think it's important, um, you know, especially as a kid. I, ever since, like I said, since I was a schoolboy, I had wrestled both styles. Um, really up until I made the junior world team my senior year of, uh, of high school. So my senior year of high school, I made uh, – that summer, I made the junior world team. And that was the first year that I only competed in freestyle. My junior year of high school, I won Fargo again in Greco my junior summer. And then I took second in freestyle to Pico. And the following year is when I made my first junior world team. And I just think developmentally, um, I mean, definitely helped me a lot more for parterre, um, things that are really important because – you know, Greco guys, they they wrestle force parterre, so they have to go top and bottom. So it's definitely more common for them to do that. And I just, you know, a lot of techniques, positioning, things like that transfer over really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, so I wrestled, um, I wrestled a, uh, a decent amount of Greco over this last freestyle season um, just because my goal was to qualify for the regional training center program and you know, I thought I, you know, I just in case it didn't work out on the freestyle side, I was like, I really want to try to qualify through Greco. Um, I ended up qualifying through the freestyle side, but a- after every practice, even though they were freestyle practice, I just take 15, 20 minutes and work with my uh, coach Brad Pataki through a lot of um, Greco positions, and it's like it's really interesting because there's so much more to it than really meets the eye. Like it's it's a lot of little battles that you don't really expect, you don't really see um, when you're watching it through a screen or, or, you know, even even in person, like you don't see it as much. But like to actually realize how much of Greco is just little tiny positional chess matches, um, you know, it, it's it, it opened my eyes, truthfully, um, and I I really enjoy doing Greco. I'm not not good, but it's still fun, right? <laughs> Um, you know, I had a teammate. I had a teammate at Ohio State, Fritz Cheryl, and he uh, he wrestled Greco at like universities and senior level and stuff. And I, I was never afraid. I'd say I'd go. I'll go a Greco match with you just to get him ready um, for uh-huh. his for his competitions as well. Because you know you can always learn things positionally, like you said. I mean, just really good things to focus on. Um, you know, if you truly just love the sport of wrestling. So yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. So, did you love the sport right off right off the bat, like when you when you started doing it? Did you have a conscious moment when you're like, man, this is for me? Um, I mean, for a guy like me, I think I think I saw success pretty early. So, um, 
you know, I, I can't tell you for sure, but I think a lot in the beginning of my career, um, I liked wrestling because I won a lot, right? You know, we like mm -hmm. things because we're good at them. Right. Um, but I think through time is when I really started gaining my love for wrestling. And when I really actually took a step back and reflected on the reasons why I wrestle, I'm like, I've made a lot of decisions in my life um, based on wrestling. You know, I, I decided to go to Blair Academy to wrestle. Um, you know, I decided to go to Ohio State to wrestle. And, you know, when I really reflected on decisions like that, you know, that's exactly, I was like, you know, that's the root. It's because I love it, <laughs> clearly. I mean, that's the reason why I've continued, you know. it's We all get knocked down, we, we get back up. I mean, that's it's, just, it's the same reason why guys continue to wrestle now. I mean, a lot of guys love it. So same reason why guys go into coaching, why guys continue to follow us, and they go to the Big Tens to watch. They love it, you know. I mean, right. We all know what wrestling does, and, and it um, just brings people together, too. Um, the wrestling community, it's it's a small niche community, but but it comes together. So uh, I think just the same, same idea goes, you know. So here, here's, a, here's a question, a little bit tangential, but, you know, did you, did you, like, did you know that you could be, you know, like a national finalist, like a top level division one guy, or did it just seem like, you know, a natural like s step in the ladders? You're like, oh yeah, I want all these tournaments going up through uh, youth and middle school and high school. And now I'm just going to go and be the best in the country at, at division one wrestling it, or did you have to make an active decision? Like this is what I'm training for. No, you, you have to make the active decision. Um, you know, I have a I have a lot of teammates even from high school at Blair that that were really good. They won everything, and um, you know a lot of guys that just didn't maybe turn out in, in college wrestling. Right. And um, you know it, it's a decision you make. Everybody's tough. There's there's transitions that you have to make from high school to college wrestling. And um, you know one is that everybody's tough. People aren't gonna bow their head down for you. Um, you know, people are going to rest you hard for the full seven minutes. And, you know, that's just something that you, you're going to have to get used to. Um, you know, just because right. you won the Ironman does not mean you're going to be a national champ or you're going to win the win the Southern Scuffle or win the Midlands. Um, still a lot of hard work. And um, it's a conscious decision you got to make. That's why on, on the opposite side, right, you see a lot of guys that didn't do you know, that maybe didn't win everything growing up and that do right. succeed very well in college and the international level, you know, because one, one, do, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a precursor to the next. I mean, yes, you know, if you're looking results based, you could see maybe there's a ladder that you climb, but, but I mean, I think just as, as a culture, wrestling culture, wrestling mindset, you shouldn't even have that ladder based, um, trajectory. Right. I mean, you should be you should be worried about just just your growth and your love and your passion for it before you and you shouldn't be comparing yourself. Oh, did I win this? Did I win this? Did I win this? You know, yeah. there's there's plenty of guys. I mean, Jamil Kelly, a coach of mine, never an All-American, second in the Olympics. You know, there's there's just so much yeah. that one does not mean the next. I you know I I can't tell you somebody right off the top of my head, but definitely guys that I mean. Anthony Kassar, one-time state champ in New Jersey, one-time national champ. You right. know, I <laughs> opportunity one time. Mm -hmm. So, 
there's so many things, you know, it's, it's a conscious decision that these guys have made and, and that guys make. Um, and it's not a conscious decision like, Hey, I'm going to win everything. It's, Hey, I'm going to work hard and, you know, see what this disciplined and focused intentional work can do for me. Um, and it's just a good approach to have the life too. I mean, anything you do, you should approach with intention and focus. Um, that's kind of how I try to live my life now. Um, you know, especially as a recent college graduate who has the goals that I do and, and the things that I do want to pursue. And it's interesting because so much of our sport and so much of like the common mindset is very results based. You know, that's how the, that's how you judge yourself. A lot of kids, they they're like, all right, I'm only this good because I've only won these tournaments. And they're like, this guy is probably better than me because he's won these tournaments, you know. And so they're very, they they pay a lot of attention to to rankings and tournament results and, and things like that. Where at really to succeed in wrestling, it's it's about throwing all that aside and, and trying to become the best you can be, not only on the mat but off the mat too. You know, trying to become the best human being that you can be. Um, and a lot of that's lost because a lot of kids are, you know, well the the majority of kids don't really care about wrestling as much and they want to. You know, they do it because maybe they get some okay results or maybe their dad makes them or maybe, you know, who cares? But, you know, the kid, the people who truly buy in and, and truly love the sport and truly dedicate themselves to growing, you know, daily. Like, so I wrestle at the M2 Training Center and something we say there is 1% better every day. You know, let's get 1% better. Little steps. Um, my buddy Sam Herring, he what he likes to talk about is just being in love with the process of wrestling, not necessarily the results and not necessarily, you know, what comes of it. But if you truly love wrestling, then you love the process of, of becoming a wrestler and becoming a good wrestler. And so, you know, keeping it, keeping it in perspective and loving the process of becoming better at the sport is all, is all things that people just have to, to really discover for themselves because, you know, you hear people talk about it, Maybe on a podcast like this one, um, but you can't even really apply it to your life until you make an active decision too. Yeah, um, discover it for yourself. So, good so, stuff, man. So, you know, when did you first have senior level aspirations? You, you was it after you made your cadet teams? Um, I think so. Um, I think there there are a lot of guys right now that. Right. I mean, there's there's a lot of guys that as a as a little kid, you you dream of being an Olympic champion and a world champion. Right. Um, I wouldn't say those. I don't know if I was exposed to that type of wrestling. Just like I, I mean, I think when I was a kid, too, um, just the international stage wasn't as uh, prominent. I don't know. I just feel like I wasn't exposed to it as much and I didn't see that. So when I saw it in high school and I started like watching international wrestling and all that, I think that's when I really had. And yeah, like I said, once I made that cadet world team after my sophomore year of high school, um, you know, I was like, oh yeah, this is what, you know, I definitely want to do this. Um, So, so yeah, I was, you know, I wasn't one of those kids that did have it as a little kid. Um, but yeah, it did come later and, you know, man, got another year Stuck. to work. Yeah. It. So I'm still pretty excited. Um, and you know, the other, the other thing is like, you're only, I don't know how old you are. I'm 16. So that's only, yeah. 
maybe maybe couple not that much older than me but still it's like it's a whole era shift right because you know when you were coming up flow still wasn't you know the the booming company that it is now and you know now anybody anyone with a phone could go search up wrestling and there's going to be tons and tons and tons of technique and there's going to be tons and tons of matches um and so anyone who wants to be a fan of the sport it's very very easy to do now you know um i remember talking to eric thompson um about you know senior his senior level aspirations and things like that and he said when he was a kid that he he didn't even know wrestling was in other countries <laughs> and that um and he, the first match he saw was you know it was the olympic finals and they watched it on a like a teeny a teeny little like i don't know little computer and it was terrible quality it was off some weird russian streaming site and it, it was all you know he he didn't really know what was going on but now you know i can type in Sajalaya versus Kyle Snyder, and it will come up, and I can watch the match every day for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, it's just a crazy time, and, you know, the thing and with technology, it's only going to get faster, and it's only going to get better, and it's only going to be able to – this wrestling will impact more and more people. So. Yeah. I mean, kind of what you said just opened up a new can of worms. But, yeah, I mean, just, just the exposure of freestyle wrestling is much greater now. And, oh, yeah. Uh, but you look at, I mean, other countries. I was just, I was in Kresnyarsk, Russia, for the Uregan this past uh, January, actually. And man, the amount of little kids at this tournament, like they were coming up to us because they saw that we had a like a USA flag on. Uh-huh. They would come up to us and they'd be like, Jordan Burroughs, Kyle Snyder, Jordan Burroughs. <laughs> looking for these guys because they, they're like, Buvizer Satiev. They're like, that's Satiev, Satiev, like sitting in the stands. You know, they know They're all fans, these guys. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, granted, they, they've only they only wrestle freestyle. They're in there drilling drilling arm throw steps and you're like, Wow, I mean these these <laughs> are like six years old, you know, and those videos you see, they're real, but they have that exposure to freestyle wrestling. Their coaches are guys like that. Right. Um but then again, I mean the Russian culture is it's um just it just likes wrestling more, right? And yeah. wrestling is their national sport. So so things are culturally things are a lot different. But I mean, I do believe maybe if I was a kid, right? I mean, just that folk style, freestyle disconnect, you know, some I wasn't even exposed to the freestyle until I was a schoolboy. And I mean, I don't even know what year that was, but it's still the two thousand you know, Kale Sanderson was big when I was growing up. Right. Guys like that. I mean, John's those names were big just because they were guys that had done it. Where now, I mean, you know, our USA lineup is like and there were yeah. lineups like that as well. But I just think the expo like you said, Florida just the technical perspective, um, you know, technology in general, everything's promoted the growth of wrestling. What what would you say the biggest difference between, you know, wrestling in America and wrestling overseas is? Because you've you've traveled overseas and you've seen it and things like that. What what would you think the biggest difference is? Um, I mean, just just like we had touched on earlier, just the results based uh, results based culture. So again, while I was overseas, uh, we were training out of this academy. Um, they call it, and there, there's kids that go there, for, and they're, you know, from six, seven years old on, and wrestling is part of their curriculum, you know. So, like, wrestling is, they go to school, this academy, 
And then as they grow, as they get older, like wrestling is part of their curriculum. And then when they graduate, they become master of sport. That's like oh. their degree, you know? So it's just a total, um, wow. <laughs> it, it's, it's just a total different system. Right. It, and this year was the first year that I saw this firsthand. So I was exposed to, I'm like, wow, it makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like just, um, the whole system, but so with that being said, these guys, they train, they're in these academies since they're in se- seven years old, but they don't actually compete until they're like 14 or 15. So these guys train for six, seven, eight, you know, they and they watch wrestling before they ever compete. So like when you see these videos of these little Russian savages, yeah. <laughs> why? Because they've actually been just working on their technique, working on you know, and, and the camaraderie of these kids was crazy. I mean, they're all just running around jumping on each other, but all they do is practice and then they go watch the Oregon, watching the right. best guys in the world. So like just culturally, it's so different. Um, and the exposure, the people they're around. Um, so I'd say, yeah, I mean, just the results based, like the amount of time that they train before they ever compete. You know, we have people are, you know, our parents want us to be the next little kid staying champion. And right. yeah, I mean, I was those things, but you, those things, like I, like we said, they're not a precursor, you know, right. being a little kid state champion has zero correlation to being recruited in college, you know, and vice versa, your love for wrestling to go become an Olympic champion and like all the, all of these things. So, um, so yeah. So do you, <laughs> think, do you think it hurts America, you know, senior level, that we aren't um, as freestyle focused. Do you here? Here's a, here's just a, here's the question: Does America, being primarily a folk style country, does that hurt our chances um, for medals at the senior level? I don't think it hurts our med our, our chance of medals. Um, but I do think. Um, you know, I mean, if we were just exposed to that style, just like the way those guys wrestle, they're more fluid. And um, I just think we, we would wrestle different, um, you right. know, right? We have, being America, we have this um, stereotype about us that we just wrestle really hard, pull on your head, get you really tired, which is true and does work to our advantage sometimes. But I think, you know, as a country, if we could just be more technical focused, um right the whole the whole level of the country we'd be right. focused on just correct technique better technique and then just like in general it all just percolates up you know and right. just at each level you just continue to get better um so yeah i mean i don't think it hurts us but i do think it could help us because i mean just look at our past results we have guys winning world championships getting oh, on the podiums and i mean it's Sometimes it's even harder to become the guy here in the U.S. than it is to be a world champion, as we've seen, you know, could kind of argue in the past years with Dick Burroughs and Taylor all being at the same weight for those few years. And now they're all world champions. So it's like, you know, just it'd be it'd be a good maybe like perspective switch or like, you know, just a focus switch in focus of like what we look towards um but i think you know just freestyle wrestling in general will be better but um you know i'm also not again like i love the traditional 
view of folk style yeah. wrestling, I think it's iconic. And, um, you know, so I'm not like a get rid of type of guy, but I do think discussions are worth seeing how it could be better, you know? Exactly. You know, like, uh, folk style wrestling is very American, right? It's, it's, it's tough. And they, we, we focus on being gritty and, you know, like a lot of, a lot of folk style wrestling is really like, especially, um, you know, 20, 30 years ago, it was really, if you are stronger, if you are faster, if you are better conditioned than the other guy, then you're going to win. You know, if you're, if you're a tougher person, whereas as we, you know, grow older and like, you know, the internet and things like that, and we see more wrestling, we, we can start to realize like, oh no, there's actually a lot of technique that needs to go into wrestling. And sometimes even the best conditions, even the best athlete will not win against a guy with, you know, excellent technique. So obviously it's just something that's going to need to continue maturing. The idea is going to need to continue going, you know, up through the or trickle down, I guess, through the, from senior level all the way down to schoolboy and, and below. Yeah. Um, and, but true. I'm a big fan of folks out wrestling. It's, yeah. it's, it's fun. <laughs> right. Um, but you know, and I like seeing, I like be have as a country being recognized as having a style, you know, being recognized as like, they're going to keep fighting you the whole match. They're going to wear you down. They're not going to give up and, and things like that, where you, you know, you go to, I, I'll, I'll watch freestyle events overseas and guys will be like, they're down by whatever, eight points. And they're like, fine, I'll just throw a headlock and, and, and they, they'll slip it and they'll give up two points. And that's tech fall. They don't like, they don't care as much. Um, but you know, everyone's different and each has its own. Yeah. I mean, luckily not many of the U S I, I know exactly what you're saying. Right. But yeah, not many of the U S guys at least put their head down like that. Exactly. Partners will give up. That is a fact. <laughs> mm. I wonder why that is too. Maybe, maybe that's something due to our uh, American practice wrestling style, uh, uh, a never give up mentality, something like that. For because sure. I agree. I think so. What do you, what do you like better? Freestyle or folk style? What did you have? What do you have more fun doing? Freestyle. Uh, just like, I mean, same reasons. I think it focuses more on technical objectives and positional objectives and, um, you know, rewards the, the better, the true better wrestler, I think. Right. Um, not every time, you know, I'm not saying the better wrestler doesn't win the match every time, but I just, it favors for sure um, those types of wrestlers. It's an interesting perspective because it's a lot more positional than folk style is. Yeah. You, know, you have to have a lot better body awareness and be able to, you know, have a better body control and, and to maneuver yourself. Um, I like freestyle better too. Yeah, I think it's more fun. <laughs> um, here, here's a question. Can you tell, talk us, talk to us about the first time you wrestled overseas and what that was like for you? Yeah, I had a pretty uh, memorable story. Mm. It was in 2012. I made the Cadet World Team, and uh, I was wrestling 54 kilos. We actually had a really good team. Zane Rutherford won the uh, won the worlds that year. Um. We had a few bronze, but we had a really good team. Chance was on the – Chance Marsteller, Garrett Ryan, Jack Bass, um, Tommy Thorne. Anyways, so um, I won my first two matches, and then I'm – you know, like I said, it was an, it was an honor. It was really exciting. Um, you know, you step out on that mat in Azerbaijan for the first time at, like, 16, 17 years old, and um, 
it was awesome. I won my first two matches. I'm in the quarterfinals of the Cadet World Championships and uh, got first 15 seconds. Guy hits an illegal move on me. Um, I end up dislocating my shoulder and then breaking my upper humerus. So um, tournament got cut short. <laughs> I had to fly home with a broken shoulder, got surgery, put me out four months. But that was uh, my first time competing overseas. So I guess like from that experience, you'd think I'd never want to go back. But, you know, that's where it's just a testament to how, how I felt and how much pride and honor that it was to just wear the USA across your chest and um, yeah. you know, represent some, something much greater than yourself. And um, so, yeah, to 2012 Cadet World Championships, uh, broke my shoulder in the <laughs> quarterfinals, had to fly home with a broken shoulder from Azerbaijan. What, uh, so, what move did he hit on you? He hit a key lock. So he had a Russian tie. Uh-huh. Yep. Grabbed his wrist and went under. And yep, my, my arm. Oh, just, it went uh, like yeah. that. Ooh. Yep. So my arm, instead of keeping into the body, it went outside and then. Yeah, just j- oh jack. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so, wow, did that did that affect you at all in the future? Uh, luckily, I haven't had any problems with it since. I think uh, I got pretty lucky that it was a bone break because the bone heals way stronger than any type of ligament and right. you know joint, all those things. So, yeah, the fact that it was a true bone break, I think, benefited me, especially recovery wise as well. Once that bone is, you know. Once that bone is healed back, it's it's strong, strong right. as anything. Whereas you know, it's a, a ligament or something. It can yeah, just you can always have recurrent. You know, ligament. people have those all the time. So. Stuff. And then, what all through college did you just have? You were all good. Did you have any injuries at all? You know, I think we we've all had like minor minor injuries throughout college. Yeah, things that have kind of put us out. But um, no, nothing nothing crazy. I mean. Little knee tweaks here and there, uh, you know, rib, shoulder, same, just tweaks and uh, taking care of your body. So that's what it's about. So, okay, Joey, tell us what what does your post Olympic plan look like after, you know, Tokyo 2021? uh, What what do you want to do? Do you want to stay another cycle or what? Yeah, I mean, I plan on competing another cycle. Um, You know, like I said earlier, I have. Um, you know, graduate school goals and potential opportunities in the future. So, um, yeah, I plan on being in the Philly area competing for a while, um, you know, winning, winning some world and Olympic titles, you know, this, this quad and next quad. Um, and then, you know, yeah, hopefully getting some type of master's degree, hopefully a business degree and pursuing some business goals, um, you know, I'm interested in construction management and interested in any other really entrepreneurial um, opportunities. So hopefully after a few years of grad school, I'll have a little more ideas. But yeah, just continue, like I said, continue to work towards something and, um, you know, push myself past really anything. Just having high expectations, high beliefs, high goals, high dreams. Um, you know, I know I'm not going to achieve everything, but I think aiming big is, you know, it's one of the core values at Penn, and um, it's one thing that I try to do every day of my life, so. You know, you said entrepreneurial, you know, investments and things like that. What, <laughs> does this, uh, does this, is this why you decided to, you know, sign with Scrap Life and and, uh, and join the Scrap Life squad? 
<laughs> Kinda. I mean, you know, again, it's another way to challenge myself, another way to better myself. Um, you know, those are great guys. It's a brand that I believe in. Um, Under Armour's some quality stuff. And, you know, Scrap Life, I feel like we got a good group of athletes to really mm. help, you know, really expand them into the wrestling world. Um, you know, there's two main runners of, of gear right now, you could argue. And, you know, our shoe... Uh, just came out. Actually, I have a box sitting right in front of me with them, with them uh, right awesome. here. So super excited to open that, especially here in quarantine. Um, yeah, those are things that get us excited right now. <laughs> uh, talk about you know I've uh, you say they say on the Instagram and stuff like that that the shoe was designed by athletes. How much, um, how much say did you have into like the designing of the shoe? How much did you input into it? So they were de- they were already designing the shoe um, before I came on board, but um, but yeah, I think you know. Da- so David and Bo, they they had a lot of talk with the designer and the people that made the shoe, and um, you know their input was taken into account on everything in terms of stylistic um, feel, you know, material, literally everything. So. Um, you know, that's why I think those guys have – they have their signature shoe. They were truly a part of the process. They were in those meetings every single time. Um, but, yeah, I mean, after wearing it, after wearing some samples, um, you know, it's – I'm not a guy that wears the shoe out of the box, especially, like, to compete or anything like that. But they these actually feel like you can. You know, you put them on your foot and, like, you actually feel like you can go – you know – the first practice is always a little uncomfortable in a normal shoot. It's not like feels like you've worn it. I'm like, this is great. And, and, you know, I just, I think that's a testament to exactly what the, you know, the way it's being marketed. Um, you know, it really is designed by the athlete, David and Bo, you know, I think those guys have been around a lot of wrestling, a lot of shoes. Um, so I think they, they've, they've done a really, really good job. How well do you know the box here? So uh, I can oh, give, yeah? give you a look if you want. Okay. All right, I'm excited. Ooh, ooh. Okay, that's a nice looking box. Live on the podcast. Oh, it comes in a bag. It's a nice Scrap little bag. bag. Oh, all right. Oh, man, I'm a big fan of them. I think they look awesome. So this is just the black and white version, pretty much all black with just the white Scrap Life logo, white bottoms. But looking fire. It's a pretty shoe. I'm I'm looking to – hopefully I'll get my, my hands on a pair of those someday. Those are – I think they look awesome. Yeah, man, be on the lookout. Um you know, they should be dropping pretty soon here. I know the pre-orders went out, and, and I've seen on our Insta- on Scrap Life's Instagram that a lot of guys, uh, a lot of people that pre-ordered them are starting to get them in. So, yeah. You know, yeah, I, um, time. I should probably get a pair because my, my, my soles blew out in the, the regional finals this year on my competition shoes. Um, and so I competed in the, the state championships 
in a pair of shoes I'd never worn for uh, for competition before. So that was that was interesting. But I so what I do here's my little secret is I just go on Craigslist and anyone who's given away wrestling shoes, you know, I'll just buy them because I I practice so much that you know your shoes get stinky and whatever. And so if you have a lot of shoes, you just keep cycling them through, and then you know it's less wear and tear on one pair. Um, and they don't even have to be nice shoes. You know, there's just something to have on your feet while you could, you know, while you wrestle. So I just yeah. took the nicest pair that I had and I was like, all right, you're going to be my competition shoes for the state championships. Um, and since I practice in them all the time, you know, maybe once or once a week, um, and I practice so many different shoes, it didn't affect my wrestling. Cause I know kids who have had their shoes, you know, their competition shoes get ruined and, and then they're like, I can't compete because I'm not used to it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's just, Not these, it's just man. being comfortable. If your shoes blow and then you throw on the Ascend one, you'll be good to go, man. I felt all like right. you're them all week in practice. Oh, man. That's exciting. That's awesome. So, okay, Joey, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I think it's about time to start wrapping it up. But um, before you you go, is there any last thoughts you would like to leave our listeners with? Is there anything you want to – a little nugget of information maybe? Um. Nothing that I've already said, man. Um, you know, just one thing that I want to leave you guys with is just, um, you know, continue pushing yourself in this time. Um, you know, reflect on the reasons why you wrestled and uh, just things that you want to get better at. Um, you know, not not all of us want to work every single day, um, you know, to get better. But if you focus on the, the littlest things, something in your daily routine, daily life, um, you can always – get better um live intentionally live purposefully and stay happy (laughs) (laughs) during these quarantine times yeah joey hey i really really appreciate you coming on this this was a great interview i really really had an awesome time really got to learn a whole bunch about you and um you know i i followed you for a very long time and i I really appreciate um all the things you do for our sports so thank you joey no problem Um, man good luck thank you and with that guys i think brings interview to a close thank you so much for listening to i believe this is 28th interview might be number 29 of uh of home at advantage wrestling podcast um so make sure to you know follow us on instagram at hma wrestling follow us on twitter you know you can send us uh emails we got an email uh we got a website you know lots and lots of stuff and hopefully we'll continue producing lots of great content while we are all quarantined so <laughs> Um, Thank you so much, Joey. I appreciate you. See ya.